Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us every week at the same time. Uh, we've been doing a series from Ezra, Nehemiah, Haggai, and Zechariah, and we'll continue to do so for some time. And what we're doing is calling this Roadmap to Reformation. We've probably filmed, I don't know, 12 to 15 programs so far on the subject, and we've started to talk about the 12 gates of Nehemiah. I believe they prophetically speak to us of a roadmap back to restoration. I think we've probably laid the foundation well enough as you go back and uh, uh, look at that, at some of the things we've already shared. And uh, for your reference, uh, if you've missed any of our programs, uh, they are archived on YouTube, and also there's an audio uh, uh, of it on uh, iTunes and on an RSS feed for your Android device where you can go back and watch these programs on demand and review them or study them. And uh, what's incredible about YouTube especially is that it is on demand. You can share them with your friends. You can use them in a Wednesday night Bible study. There's a multiple things that you can do uh, to share these in your home group or, or what have you. And we are putting them out there for you to do that. And, uh, you know, what I, what I want to uh, say to you is that we have we've really looked at this as a roadmap to Reformation. And the Lord has really spoke to me, I believe, through these chapters. I've frankly quite enjoyed not only sharing them with you, but studying them myself. And we've been sharing them quite a bit on the road in different places where we have uh, been uh, teaching the Word. They are returning from Babylonian captivity, and they are rebuilding the city of God. They were taken captive by Nebuchadnezzar and carried away into Babylon to fulfill the word of the Lord by the prophet Jeremiah till the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. And uh, they were carried away into captivity because they were just a constant, uh, almost roller coaster ride of a good king and evil king. And then finally, uh, you know, they were just carried away into Babylon. And uh, what we showed you in prior weeks is that Babylon, what we have drawn uh, the uh, imagery from is that Babylon speaks of Old Covenant, especially Old Covenant, but especially Old Covenant Jerusalem. In some of our prior segments, we talked about a tale of two cities in the book of Revelation. Babylon, in her was found the blood of all the martyrs, from the blood of Zacharias to the blood of righteous Abel, in fulfillment of what Jesus had prophesied in Matthew 23 would come upon physical, natural Jerusalem. There are several reasons why I believe that it was speaking of old coveted Jerusalem, and I shared with you last week out of Galatians 4, especially when you read it in the uh, Amplified Bible, it talks about the Jerusalem which now is, is Mount Sinai in Arabia, and it was where the law was given. You who are bent on being under the law, he said, do you not hear what the law really says? But he goes on to say that that, that that natural Old Covenant Jerusalem was Mount Sinai. It was Old Covenant. We showed you again uh, that you know, there's a complete parallels in the book of Revelation that, uh, that uh, you know, especially in the uh, fall and the destruction 
of Jerusalem, the moment Jerusalem is destroyed by the Romans in 70 AD, there is immediately a voice that says, Hallelujah, now has come salvation in the kingdom of our God, and His bride has made herself ready. And so Old Covenant Jerusalem passes off the scene, and New Covenant Jerusalem, which is not a physical location, it is a community of people. Old Covenant Jerusalem was a community of people. New Covenant Jerusalem is the community of faith. It is the bride, the Lamb's wife. It is the tabernacle of God that is with men. And as we uh, share, I, I, you know, there's so many things, again, I start to talk and almost want to review everything, but uh, the Old Covenant was a whole lot of natural, physical stuff, but as you've watched me un unpack this series, they are pointing to spiritual fulfillments. In other words, especially throughout the book of Zechariah, uh, Zechariah himself will step out of the immediate restoration of this city and this exodus from Babylon, and he will begin to talk about the man whose name is called the branch. Then he will talk about, behold, your king comes to you riding on a colt, the foal of an ass. That's something that Jesus fulfilled on Palm Sunday. Uh, you, you will see the place where he says, uh, what will you give me to buy me out of the covenant? And they weighed out for me 30 pieces of silver. That was fulfilled with Judas and the, and, and the floor of the, the, the temple when they threw the money on the floor of the temple and the money changers. And uh, you see him step out of the natural into showing you a greater fulfillment of that which would be spiritual. In the series that I did back some time ago on the Gospel of John, uh, we showed you, especially, and, I, and I'll just, you know, because we've been really, this is my newest book, The Great I Am, by the way, is available to you. But in this book especially, Jesus begins to switch up, or He sh starts showing them how to interpret skip Scripture in the light of New Covenant because he steps up to the temple and he says to them, destroy this temple and in three days I'll raise it back again. And what he was showing them is, you're standing in front of a natural temple, but Jesus was telling them, that's not the temple, I'm the temple of God. I'm the place where God lives. We find the Apostle Paul saying in Corinthians, what do you not know? Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. So in other words, he moves from a natural tabernacle or temple to a spiritual house. He moves from a natural birth with Nicodemus. He says, Nick, you must be born again. Your natural birth is not enough. You must have a supernatural birth. And that's clearer, of course, as you get into Galatians 4 again, and you read that from the Amplified Bible. It talks about those which are born of natural seed are Mount Sinai in Arabia and are in bondage with her children to this day. But we who are born supernaturally, that's remarkably as Isaac was in virtue of the promise, are a part of the heavenly Jerusalem, which is our mother, the messianic kingdom of Christ. That city is continuing to come down. I want you to note that. In Revelation 21 it says, I, John, saw the holy city coming down from God out of heaven. And by the time you get to the book of Revelation, you should have learned some kind of a spiritual hermeneutic to compare these spiritual things with spiritual things and realize, wait a minute, this city that's coming down out of heaven is clear as a crystal, which means to me that it can be right in your midst and you can't see it.
And that's so true for so many because they think there's a literal cube floating down through space somewhere that's going to hit the earth and one day all this is going to be done. This, this city has been coming out of the realm of spirit, out of the heavens, into the earth, ever since the days when the old temple was destroyed, immediately a new temple came on the scene. When the old city was destroyed, a new city came on the scene. Revelation, I believe it is the third chapter, says to him who overcomes, I'll write upon him the name of my God, and I'll make him a pillar, I'm sorry, it says to him that overcomes, I will make him a pillar of my God. He shall go no more out. So first of all, he's not talking about standing you up and pouring concrete over you and making you a physical pillar in the temple. He's talking about a spiritual house that's made out of people that are pillars in the temple of God. He said, you will go no more out, and then I will write upon you the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is new Jerusalem, which cometh down from heaven from my God. So he's talking about overcomers. The Apostle Paul, I believe it is, talked about that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ Himself being chief cornerstone. And we have shared again uh, over the period of weeks that that city, once again, is not a place, it's a people. It's laid on apostolic foundation, Jesus being chief cornerstone. We talked about, uh, or I think we did, out of Zechariah, that the capstone and the cornerstone would be laid with shouts of grace, grace. And we showed you then that when Jesus comes on the scene, He said, Moses gave you the law, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ, and of His fullness have all we received, and grace for grace. So Jesus comes on the scene with shouts of grace, grace. I, I want to just chase this rabbit for a minute, because I really feel like it's important. You know, what, what, you, what we preach and declare will manifest, because faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. At the time of this filming, I'm not even sure, I don't, I don't like to uh, do anything much with politics as far as endorsing candidates or anything like that, but at the time of this filming, uh, it is the morning after uh, the election, they still don't know who the president is. But prior to this leading up to it, uh, my inbox was inundated with all kinds of prophetic words, most of which is out of context scriptures, drawing from Ezekiel 37, Ezekiel 38, which was uh, prior to the return back into uh, the land of Israel and the restoration of their temple uh, before Ezra and Nehemiah. But many times we take these scriptures out of context, and what really gets me sometimes is that these prophets are not prophets that are shouting grace, grace. They're shouting doom, despair, and agony. Now, like I said, at this time we don't know who won the election, but my hope is not in the White House. My hope is in the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, who has never vacated the throne. That goes, it talks about the royal seed of David in the book of Zechariah, that out of that uh, royal seed there would come living water that would flow out of Jerusalem. And I'm going to tell you that 
living water to me is not talking about some physical stream, but it's what Jesus said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And this spake he concerning the Spirit. I'm telling you that what we have to become is more answer-oriented than we do problem-oriented. I'm not shouting doom and despair. I am not shouting the sky is falling, regardless of who wins this election. I don't endorse or do I, nor do I, uh, you know, especially my personal opinions are my personal opinions. My audience is way too large to disenfranchise people with politics because I'm not necessarily putting my hope in politics. I'm putting my hope in the kingdom of God, and I believe we're on a roadmap to reformation, and I am going to shout grace, grace to it, favor, favor, until somebody joins me to change the atmosphere that's in the earth. We must, as the church, become atmosphere changers. We must begin to shift the atmosphere and stop preaching doom and despair, and you know, at some point we're going to have to call out some of these guys and say, listen, your prophecies have failed so many times, we want no more excuses. They're false prophets. They're just words do not make sense. Now, what I want to say to to that is that I I think it's a, uh, well, uh, I, I think it's a tragedy that there are so many voices and nothing that seems to be clear and distinct, and it seems like those that are shouting grace, grace, uh, sometimes can get lost in the muffle. But you know, I think sometimes we, uh, we are like Mary when the angel of the Lord came to her and said, Hail, thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. And uh, you know, uh, and blessed art thou among women. Now sometimes favor don't always look like favor because the moment the angel of the Lord appeared to her, Uh, She was uh, told that she would bring forth a son, and his name would be called Emmanuel, God with us. But immediately after that, her fiancé is about to put her away privately, and everybody thinks she's an unwed mother. So sometimes favor doesn't look like favor. But here's the thing I'm after. Mary simply says this. She says, she cast in her mind what manner of salutation this might be. And what really dawned on me is that perhaps... Mary was not used to hearing a word of favor. Hail thou that art highly favored. Because they are in the midst of Roman captivity. Chaos is everywhere. And all of a sudden there's a salutation of good news. Perhaps we need to hear a message of good news thou that are highly favored. Maybe somebody needs to shout grace, grace until it begins to shift the atmosphere. Uh, You know, I think sometimes instead of the church being the answer, we're part of the problem, and we keep on prophesying these prophecies of doom and despair, when in reality, uh, you know, they become self-fulfilling prophecies because we change the mindset and the expectation of people unto our worldview is skewed, and we sometimes preach a great big devil and a wee, a wee little Jesus. But I'd rather preach a great big God and a wee little defeated devil and a dead old man, because I believe that's what the Scripture teaches. And so I want to shout grace, grace, until I believe that we start to see 
uh, things begin to turn around. I'm going to preach the favor of God until God's people believe it. Joseph, when he was favored of his father, received the coat of many colors. Favor didn't look like favor at first. He was in the house sold by his brothers in a pit, sold in the house of Potiphar, spent a few years in prison long before he ever comes to the palace, but he was still favored because favor doesn't always look like favor. But where you're at in the immediate circumstances is not the end of the story. I'm going to shout grace, grace to somebody today. I feel the Holy Spirit talking to somebody. Stop cursing the darkness and begin to create light. Stop cursing and sabotaging your own success by what you speak and what you declare. I believe we need to put a silver trumpet to our lips and not a brass trumpet of judgment. Brass speaks of judgment. Let's sound a silver trumpet of redemption and a silver trumpet of reformation and get on about the business of seeing reformation just like these men like Ezra and Nehemiah. Once again, Ezra's name means my helper and Nehemiah's name means the comforter and it pictures to me the work of the Holy Spirit to bring about change and to bring about reformation. The Holy Spirit's a builder. He'll build you up on your most holy faith. He'll help you to build community. He'll help us to build bridges. We are really in a climate of divisiveness right now, not only in the church but in politics and everywhere. Uh, there are forces of darkness that would like to separate people over the most dumb and, uh, you know, sometimes I, I, I just think, uh, you know, uh, some of the most distracting things, and I believe it's almost like it was in the days of Ezra and Nehemiah when, uh, you know, the, the Scripture says, I believe it is in Ezra chapter 4 in the Message Bible, it says they, they tried to sap the resolve of the people of, of Israel and, and the people of Judah to build this. They tried to stop to discourage them, to get, a heart, to get people discouraged in the hour that they were rebuilding and try to get their focus off of what they were building and get their focus on the enemy. But these men begin to stir up the people and, and uh, they said, listen, I'm doing a great work. I cannot come down. I cannot be distracted by uh, the voices of Sanballat and Tobiah, the voices of the enemy that are trying to get you to stop the building of the house of God and of the city of God. And once again, that's a people. I, I, I really wish that uh, more people would contact us and say, listen, Dr. House, we're going to shout grace, grace with you. We want to join in this reformation. We want to, we want to be, listen, we want to get up on the wall in our section of the wall and build the temple of God and the house of God. It's a time to rebuild. It, things were in shambles in Ezra and Nehemiah's day. Stones that were burnt, gates burnt, heaps of rubbish. But, you know, uh, Zechariah, the ninth chapter, I believe it is, he said, but return to me, you prisoners of hope. And he talks about because of the blood of the covenant, uh, you're going to be like uh, prisoners coming out of a pit with no water in them, and you're going to return to me, you prisoners of hope. I am irrevocably and unapologetically a, a, a prisoner of hope and a preacher of hope. But Ezra chapter 4 in the Message Bible says that these people, Sanballat, uh, Tobiah, even hired propagandist against the people to sap their resolve. And so I want to say to you, be careful of what you feed on. 
And what I mean by that is not so much your physical diet, but what you feed on, uh, you know, in, 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 in the realm of spirit. Are you feeding on something that's positive, that builds you up, that has spiritual nutrition value? You know, uh, you may or may not have noticed, but over this past year, uh, you know, I have lost probably pretty close to 55 pounds, and uh, we've been on some kind of program that uh, really has worked and helped me to lose weight, but really it's taught me a change of how to think about what I'm about to put in my body. And uh, what I do is I make decisions a lot of times based on the fact, is there any nutritional value to this? You know, there's a lot of stuff that tastes good that's not good for you in the natural and in the spiritual. I mean, we have a lot of stuff in the church world that's spiritual junk food. It's the Twinkies and potato chips and high sugar dose and high fat dosed foods that seem to excite people and they will flock to that by the droves. And they will, you know, uh, I mean, you know what? Who doesn't like Twinkies or cake and pie? You know, used to, I used to make a lot of jokes about being overweight. And I'd say there's only two kind of pie, like hot and cold. Uh, and I, I haven't given up pie, but I sure don't eat the whole pie. <laughs> I don't have to eat the whole pie. What I'm learning is moderation and some things. So there's some times for some, some treats. But you can't raise your family. And you can't continue a healthy lifestyle in the natural by eating junk food. And I believe it's the same way in the realm of spirit, is that you cannot raise spiritually healthy people by just giving them sugar-coated junk, spiritual junk food that has no substance to it, that's nothing but hype and excitement. And when it's all done, there's no transformation, there's no change in our lives, there's no change in our families, there's no change in our cities, there's no change in our communities. I believe there's a reformation afoot. I believe we're returning to a diet. You, want to, you know, one of the things that I do, even in this diet, once again, is I eat a whole lot more vegetables and a lot more proteins and stuff that kind of are satisfying. And uh, I can say it like this, you need to eat more lamb spiritually, because the more lamb you feed on, the more you eat the finished work of Jesus Christ, His death, His burial, and His resurrection, the more you come to the table of the Lord, the more you're going to be able to be healthy spiritually. I think we talked about in the last segment, and I haven't got it all into even my, uh, my uh, message for the gate we want to move to, but the last segment, I think the last four segments we talked about, I believe the valley gate, and uh, one of the things I, I, I just uh, so, so emphasize and want to say again today, Psalm 23 said, He prepares a table before me, right in the presence of my enemies. And I would say something to you today if you're watching and you're going through something. Be careful what you feed on. Be careful what you feed your family. Be careful the stuff that you talk about. You know, you, Asaph in Psalm 77, who was the chief musician, he says, I complained and my spirit was overwhelmed. You can complain until it overwhelms your spirit. He said, then, then he started to accuse God and said, has God forgotten to be gracious? Has he in his anger shut up his tender mercies? 
you know, uh, Asaph was the chief musician. If you got your, your chief musician and your worship leader in a bad mood, you're probably going to sing the blues and not have such a good service. And let me just tell you that I really think sometimes even, I want to say this to challenge some songwriters. I believe we need to have some songs that are not man-centered, need-based, but start to have some songs about instead of coming in and I need you, God, and you need to fill me up, and I'm begging you this, and you know, want to come in with some singing that says, listen, we've received all things that pertain to life and godliness. Of His fullness I've always received. And we start to change the mindset of being what I believe the prophet Isaiah said, empty, leaking cisterns that can hold no water. Empty, leaking cisterns have no inward source of their own, and they come to have to constantly be filled up, filled up, filled up, and we're need-based drained by the time we come in. We need to come in full and say, I'm not an empty, leaking cistern. I'm a well of living water. And, uh, you know, we're going to talk about some things as we get into these gates of Nehemiah. One of them is going to be the fountain gate. And, uh, you know, there's uh, some powerful stuff that I believe there's an outflow. We need to shift our thinking. We need to stop thinking of the church in just the sense of, here's my cup, Lord, I lift it up. But instead of being consumers, kingdom consumers, we become kingdom distributors. Instead of being, if you will, uh, you know, a thermometer, we become a thermostat. We change the atmosphere. Uh, we start to realize that He's already given me all things that pertain unto life and godliness, and that I carry something and instead of coming looking for something always, I come as a contributor. I think there has to come a shift, especially in the generation that's coming up, uh, about becoming a contributor to the things of God. I, I would say this, and I'm not trying to do it just to raise money, but I would say this even concerning giving to television ministries like ours or your own ministry. What you don't support goes away. And, you know, we become consumers, but we don't want to become contributors. And we, uh, so many people have... Uh, you know, feed from our ministry and never return anything. And I'm not trying to criticize. I'm just trying to say, I believe there's got to come a shift from being consumers, consumer driven to uh, being full of the Holy Spirit, being full of the things of God and being full to where we come in and say, listen, I want to be a contributor to the things of God and not just a kingdom a consumer. I want to become a giver and not just a taker. I want to become an asset and not a liability to the kingdom of God. I want to find my place on the wall and see where I can contribute with my time, my talent, and my treasure. Because what we're doing in this hour is going to determine what happens with our children and our grandchildren in the future. And I believe it's time to get up on the wall and be able to not be distracted by the propagandists that would try to stop us. We're about out of time. I want you to come back next week at the same time as we continue this series on the 12 gates of Nehemiah. We're going to try to get into the next gate. If you'd like to give and become a contributor to this ministry, please go to our website. At, it'll be on the screen, and you can give there via PayPal. And you can use your credit card through that. You can give that way. You can call the number on the screen. Someone will take your call. If they don't answer, leave a number, and they will call you back if you leave a message. Also, it's easy just to write a check and send it to the address on the screen to Linhausen Ministries. It takes your support to stay on the air. God bless you, and thank you for joining us this week. God bless. 
I am excited to announce the release of my latest book titled The Great I Am. In this book, we will explore the seven times in the Gospel of John that Jesus says, I am. When he uses that phrase, it is always in contrast to something from the Old Covenant. For instance, they thought Moses and the law was the door into the sheepfold, but Jesus said to them, I am the door. They thought that Israel was the true vine, but Jesus said to them, I am the vine, you are the branches. As you read the pages of this book, you will discover that Jesus removed the covenant of death and replaced it with the covenant of life. Get your copy of the book, The Great I Am, today.